again, thank you so much uh, for being here. It's good for us to be uh, together today. Uh, I believe Chris said this when he welcomed everyone. Uh, it's been approximately 150 days since we've gathered together for worship, over uh, five months uh, since, uh, since we've been able uh, to, to join together, uh, to sing together, to hear God's word together, to take the Lord's Supper together, uh, to fellowship together. Uh, there's been a long time where we haven't been in person. While I'm grateful for the grace of technology and media that we've been able to uh, continue to journey together in God's word and, uh, and, and hear God's word together and uh, be able to encourage each other through small groups on Zoom and Bible studies and, uh, and various uh, outlets like that, there's nothing like being together uh, as God's people. Uh, in fact, as I think about joy today, uh, and we continue in our series in the Psalms, I chose the topic of experiencing joy and gladness because I, my prayer was that today would be marked by joy and gladness. That today would be a day where we experience joy and gladness, not just in theory, but in practice. And uh, as I was thinking about <clears throat> Uh, this idea of joy, of experiencing joy and gladness. Today we're going to be in Psalm 107, but I couldn't help uh, but think also about another psalm. So before uh, you look at Psalm 107, I want to read from Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42. <clears throat> this this song, it, it, this psalm is is really a a song that the, the 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 worship leader, the choir director, so to speak, for the people of Israel uh, would would write for the people of Israel to to read, and it begins with a a longing, with a desire. It says, "As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God?" He says, "My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God?" And he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng, with the group of people that would lead to, in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of joy and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. And then he, he begins to, to kind of preach to his own soul, a model for us. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again uh, praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you, he says. And, and what struck me as I thought about Psalm 42 and I thought about uh, talking about experiencing joy and gladness with our, in our first Sunday back together here at TCC at the park. Uh, if you, if you think about what the psalmist is saying, <clears throat> He's, he's showing us an important point. The, the experience, the emotion of joy, of gladness is something that, that, that truly we feel, but it's also something that we're commanded to feel. When you think about that in the Bible, it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic. It's not just like some of the other emotions that happen to us when various circumstances come our way. Joy happens to us, but it's also something that we're commanded to, to pursue, to, to choose, to live in, to experience. Um, and, and here's the thing about God's commands, all of God's commands. God doesn't give us a command that he doesn't also enable us to keep. All of his commands, he, he enables us through his word, by, by the power of the spirit, through faith in Christ. He empowers us to actually experience, to obey. So he commands us to have joy, he commands us to be glad, uh, but, but then he gives us the means 
of grace to do that. And here's, here's just what I want to I want to point out as I think about Psalm 42 and what it means uh, for us today. The psalmist is telling us one of the keys for fighting for joy, one of the keys for experiencing joy. When, when our, our troubles are overwhelming, when our, our troubles that keep us up at night, our troubles that lead to fear, our troubles that lead to tears, the, the troubles that come because we live in a sin-stained world as well as the troubles that come because we are sinners. When we think about our trouble, how can we have joy? What, what will God help us? How will God help us to have joy in the midst of our trouble? And the answer in Psalm 42 is the people of God. He says, when I'm, when I'm weary and when I'm overwhelmed, when I, my tears have been my food day and night, what I remember is how I used to go with God's people to the house of God and praise him. And, and there's, there's something particularly, uh, uh, powerful about being with God's people and how God's word ministers to us and God's people encourage us and build us up. Now, to be clear, God's people aren't the answer for all our troubles, right? We aren't the answer for each other. The answer is God. The psalmist says, hope in God. The psalmist says, praise God. The psalmist says, my salvation is found in God. But who helps us to hope in God? Who helps us to remember our salvation in God? Who helps us when we're weary with troubles? God's means of grace to us, a particular means of grace that I want us to remember today is the gathering together as God's people to fellowship together, to hear God's word, to worship and give God the worship that he is due. We need the church, particularly gathering together as God's people to give him the worship that he's due. You know, March 8th was the last time that we gathered together like this. And on March 8th, I think I had forgotten a little bit about the joy of being together as God's people. And so my prayer today is that we don't forget the joy of August 9th. Uh, not just really of August 9th, but the joy of what we are doing here together, the joy of being together as God's people, sharing in this worship together. And so uh, as we uh, continue to Psalm 107, I, I want to take a minute just to thank God and to pray over our time together uh, and jump into God's word this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, what a joy to be together. What a joy to, uh, to, to, to come to this place today to give you the worship that you're due. God, it's been a journey, a journey that we have uh, prayerfully uh, sought you and, and desired to walk in wisdom, uh, withholding from meeting, to, uh, to care well for one another, to love our neighbors. And, uh, and Lord, our desire is, is as we meet, that you would meet with us, that you would encourage us, that you would build us up that you would help us to continue to be the kind of people who hope in you in the midst of troubles, who love you in the midst of troubles. And then because of our hope in you and our love for you, God, that it would move us towards our community. It would move us to our friends and our neighbors to love 
our neighbors, God, to, to point them to you, to, to serve them in their trouble and their sorrows. God, would you meet with us today and build us up as your people? And would you use your word being proclaimed to, uh, to, to speak a, a word that, that meets us right where we're at? And if there's anyone within the hearing of my voice who doesn't know you, who doesn't know the joy of knowing you and, and being known by you, God, would today be a day that you draw people to yourself? God, would today be a day that you allow salvation to spring up from the ground and renew in us, God, a joy for the salvation that we've received by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. God, use this time now. Use your word to do its work in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we get started, I'm second guessing my decision to wear khaki pants and a button down long sleeve shirt. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, uh, I'm praying that the clouds come once more and uh, cover the sun uh, for for us all. Um, <clears throat> somewhat ironic to preach on joy and perhaps not have very much joy as we sit uh, under the sun. But I pray that we find today a joy that can meet us in any circumstance, uh, whether we're in cool AC or under the beautiful sun. But you know, when we talk about joy, we've been talking about engaging our emotions. And, and we've, we've said that uh, to, to really, to understand what it means to grow spiritually mature is to, to also grow and be in the process of growing to be emotionally healthy. Uh, allowing uh, God's word to inform how we think and how we feel. And the Psalms is a perfect book for us because the Psalms do uh, really two things based on the nature of the book itself. The Psalms are uh, are, are both uh, poetry, they're the language of the heart, they help us express what we feel, but they're also prayer. They're the language of responding to God and helping us understand how to respond to God rightly. Um, and And we've been looking at uh, over the last few weeks, we've been we've considered what it means to engage our hurt, what it means to engage loneliness and sadness. We'll continue uh, looking at uh, what it means to engage fear, shame, and guilt, uh, as well as uh, <clears throat> uh, continuing to to examine how to respond to these emotions, emotions, how to engage them. The the two errors we want to avoid when we think about our emotions is elevating our emotions to be everything or dismissing our emotions to be nothing. Instead, we want to chart a different way in the middle to engage our emotions in a way that honors God. And in doing that, it will be for our good and for the good of others and the relationships that we have in our life. And when we come to joy, joy and and happiness even, or gladness, this is the emotion that we all want to experience, right? Um, when, when we think about hurt, we think about sadness or loneliness, those are things that we, that come upon us that we have to figure out how to, to, to manage, how to respond to. But joy is what we all want. We, we wouldn't wish loneliness or sadness or hurt upon ourselves, but we would wish joy upon ourselves every day. In fact, we put our feet on the floor in the morning when we get out of bed and, and we're hoping that we find some happiness. We're hoping that we experience some joy. And, and in some ways, as we look at joy, we're, we're going to see that joy is, uh, it, it helps us uh, to, to really um, experience life in the way that God desires. It, it helps us to, to pursue life as God would have us. And joy is different than the other emotions in that uh, in some ways we have to do some work beforehand to experience joy. The real work with the other emotions begins once we feel them, right? 
Once we experience hurt, once we experience sadness, then we got to dig in and do the work of engaging those things. When we think about joy, we, we, have, to, uh, we have to think about what it means to uh, prepare ourselves to experience joy. Now, one other gift of joy is when your iPad with your notes for the sermon overheats uh, in the sun. Uh, and so <clears throat> what, uh, what God has in store for us today uh, will especially be what God has in store uh, for us. We, uh, like I said, are going to be in Psalm 107. Uh, and I want to begin with verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. See, Psalm 107 begins with an invitation to praise God, an invitation uh, to give thanks to God. Um, And and to, to really give thanks is the culmination of joy. To, to give thanks is to, is to have found joy and then to respond to it. And so really Psalm 107 is showing us what goes into experiencing joy. It's showing us the, the dynamics of life, the troubles of life, and the, the way in which we respond to our troubles and to God, as well as the way we respond to God and how all of that leads to joy. And, and so throughout Psalm 107, what, what it really does is it gives you an overview of how God dealt with his people Israel. And you can link Psalm 107 with Psalm 105 and Psalm 106, and they give you kind of a history of God choosing his people, uh, of, of, of his people rebelling against him, of, of them going into exile, and God keeping his, his faithful, uh, keeping his promises, his, uh, his steadfast faithfulness and love is put on display. And, and so Psalm 107 is this response to God's uh, faithfulness. It's, it's what, what it looks like when, when joy, when we experience joy, it responds in giving thanks and, and praising God for who he is and for what he's done. And so what I, what I want us to do is I want us to, uh, to kind of understand the pattern of Psalm 107. And then I want us to, to think about some applications of what it looks like for us to experience joy and gladness in our daily lives. So, so here's, here's the pattern in verses 4, really through 32. You see, you see four different kind of occurrences of this same pattern. And the pattern begins like this. There's some trouble that God's people find themselves in. And then in their trouble, they cry out to God. And in response to them crying out to God, God hears their, their cry and he responds. Uh, he meets them in their time of need. And then after each of these occurrences, we see this invitation to give thanks, to praise God. <clears throat> and so uh, we, we see this play out four different times. If you look in, in verses four through, six, four through five, some, some of these occurrences are as a result of sin. And some of these occurrences are because we live in a difficult world. If you look at verses four through five, it shows us that there's some trouble that comes because God's people are in need. They don't have water. They don't have food. They don't have the security of a city to dwell in. They're vulnerable. They're exposed. They're weary. And then in their weariness and in their trouble, they cry out to God. And and look what we see there in verse six. In response to them crying out to the Lord, it says, and he delivered them from their distress. 
He led them by a straight way. It says, therefore, in response to God's deliverance of meeting them right where they had need, he said, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You see, <clears throat> as, we, as we look at these, this kind of pattern play out in Psalm 107, <clears throat> we, we see God being a God who's defined by steadfast love. That's, that's the, the whole theme, really, uh, that we see throughout. Uh, if you go and you look at verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Then there in, uh, in verse 8, it says, Let us thank Him for His steadfast love. Let us thank Him for His steadfast love. What is the steadfast love of God? See, steadfast love does two things. It combines two ideas. It combines the idea of commitment and love. Some people call the steadfast love of God the loyal love of God. The steadfast love of God is the love of God that says, I love you not because of who you are or what you have done, but because of who I am. And my love for you isn't dependent on how you respond to me. My love is dependent on who I am, on my character. And my character is unchanging. My love is unchanging. My love is for my people. And it's a steadfast love. It's a loyal love. And, and this really uh, gets shown again and again as God redeems his people. What motivates God's heart towards us? It's his steadfast love. It's his loyal love, his commitment to us and his commitment to his promise. God keeps his promises. And therefore, whatever trouble we find ourselves in, when we cry out to God, we can be assured that God will meet us in our trouble. And, and, and it goes on and we see in verse, verses 10 through uh, 12, we see that God's people find themselves in some trouble because of their sin. It says that they <clears throat> sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction. They had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So they bowed their hearts. Uh, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor and they fell down with none to help. Here they are in bondage because of sin. And <clears throat> when we think about sin and what we think about here, obviously God's people, Israel, because of their sin, they were taken into captivity. They, they were taken into Babylon. We, we looked at the book of Daniel uh, throughout the summer and, <clears throat> and saw how that played out for Israel. God is serious about sin and he judges sin. But sin is also serious about doing a number on us. You see, when we look at the, the sin here in verses 10 through 12, and if you skip over to verses 17 through 18, it says some were fools through their sinful ways and because of iniquities, they suffered affliction. My mom used to say sin makes you stupid. It's, that's what happened to the people of Israel and their sin. They, they lived foolishly. But, but here's the thing about sin. It always takes us further than we want to go. It always keeps us there longer than we want to stay and always cost us more than we want to pay. We can find ourselves in trouble because of sin. And whether we're in trouble because of sin or we're in trouble because uh, of, of just life's circumstances and troubles, the same thing is true about God. Look what happens in verse 13. 
God's people are in trouble because of sin and they cry out. They cry out to the Lord and he delivers them from their distress. There's no cleaning up their act. There's no kind of getting their life in order and doing their best to kind of present themselves to God on the best in the best possible way. None of that. They just cry out and God responds. I love that, that truth, that it doesn't matter where we find ourselves. Whenever we cry out to God, God is able to hear us and respond. Whatever trouble you find yourself in, trouble because life is hard or trouble because sin has taken you somewhere that you wished you weren't. There you can cry out to God and God responds. And we see this play out again uh, in, 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 we mentioned verses 17 through 18, because of sin, they cry out to God in verses 23 through 26. We see that God's people are in uh, a serious um, a circumstance that's marked by fear, that's marked by danger. It says that they, they're basically in this storm and the storm is about to overwhelm them. Last week, our family got away and we went to Ocean Isle Beach, uh, which is usually a great place to go and experience the beach. However, last week, it just happened to be the place that uh, Hurricane, uh, I, I forget how to pronounce it, so you know that the hurricane uh, came through right at Ocean Isle. We got there on Friday. We were told we had to leave by Sunday. But as I thought about uh, experiencing a hurricane, which I didn't fully experience it, but as I thought about that, when you, when you go through a storm, you're reminded that, that you're not in control, right? You're reminded that it's not, it's not based upon your management and handling of circumstances that your life uh, is secure. Our life is secure because it's in God's hands. And, and here in verses 23 through 27, it describes being in a storm uh, where the winds and the waves uh, are tossing and raging. And they're in their trouble, they cry out to God and God responds. And so it, the reality of when we think about experiencing joy and gladness, we think about uh, what it means to, to be happy. You know, I think sometimes uh, here recently, within, with, especially within the church, we kind of pit joy and happiness against one another. Um, and usually it goes something like this. Happiness is temporary, you know, and, and joy is more permanent and abiding. And, and I think to some degree that can be true, but I believe that everyone wants to be happy. I believe that God made us to be happy. God made us to experience joy. God is a joyous God. And, and so when we think about happiness and we think about joy, I don't think we need to pit them together. I think the reality is we need to think about uh, authentic happiness and false happiness. Uh, false happiness is superficial. And it's just kind of based on, um, you know, on the right circumstances coming together. It's, it's often circumstantial. When things work out rightly, I'm happy. And if not, don't cross me, right? Um, if, if I haven't had coffee, I'm not happy, right? There's, there's all kinds of uh, kind of temporary circumstances that can define the, the kind of superficial everyday happiness. I'm not saying any of that's bad. Um, but I think that the biggest thing um, about happiness is, is we enjoy is we, we sometimes equate it with like the happy go lucky mentality or the kind of positive spirit about going through life. And, and the reality is we all experience joy some way. We express it in different ways. Some, some are particularly bubbly and excited. Some are a little bit more melancholy and sober about life. It doesn't matter how it's fully expressed, but there's, there's, 
a call to joy for all of us. And this joy isn't rooted in our circumstances. In fact, you could say it this way. One preacher, Charlie Dates, says it this way. He says, joy isn't circumstantial, but joy is consequential. It follows from believing certain things about God and believing certain things about ourselves in relation to God. So joy isn't, happiness isn't circumstantial based on everything playing out right in our lives, but it's consequential in that it flows from, it comes out of believing rightly about God. When I, when I looked up definitions for, for joy and gladness in preparation for this uh, sermon, I, I really was struck by how often people just assume a certain definition of joy and gladness. We just kind of assume that we, we know what it means. And, 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 I, and I, to the degree that you can have joy and happiness uh, in, in seeing a friend that you haven't seen in a while or seeing your kids laugh or a family member uh, have something good happen to them. Or you can have joy when you uh, see a beautiful sunset or you can have joy when you have fulfillment in your work. You can have joy when you, um, you know, when, when you hear a good joke and you, you have a good laugh. Like all of those things are good and it's God's common grace. All of that joy is, is there for us to experience. I'm not here to give you tactics for how to, how to laugh and have a more, you know, uh, you know, a, a more positive, upbeat outlook on life. Like that's not fully where I think God's taking us. There's a spiritual joy, a Christian joy that God commands us and that we're to experience no matter the circumstances in our life. No matter the circumstances. And I think that's, that's when I look at Psalm 107, you see all kinds of trouble and out of all kinds of different trouble, God's people are rejoicing. God's people are experiencing gladness, not merely because of their circumstances, but because of God at work in their circumstances. And that's, that's what we need to hear. We need a vision of who God is that will give us joy no matter our circumstances. And, and, and in fact, Psalm 107 and verses 33 through 43, that's how it ends. If you, if you read it in full, we're not going to read it in full now, but, but what you see is, is God's power on display. He turns, he turns the, um, the places of abundance into wastelands. He can turn the wastelands into oasis. When, when God's people are brought low and oppressed, he will raise them up. When oppressors rage, God will bring them low. And look at verse 42. Here's the key. When God's people see God at work, it says in verse 42, the upright see it and are glad. The upright see it and are glad. And all the wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So I want to give us three three points to help us experience joy. Three points to help us experience joy in our everyday life. The emotion that we all desire, but an emotion that God commands. And the first is this, joy comes not by looking for good in all your circumstances, but joy comes by looking to a good God, no matter the circumstance. So joy comes by looking for God, no matter the circumstance. It's not about looking at our circumstances and trying to find some good in it. And well, if I get some good in my circumstances, then, then there's some happiness. Then there can be some joy. 
Now, joy isn't based on our circumstance. There's a joy that comes by seeing God, seeing a good God, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And so more, more than perhaps any of the other emotions, what you see with joy is thinking and feeling go together. Joy does, joy surely comes upon us in, in just the everyday moments of life, as I described earlier. But the kind of spiritual joy, the, the kind of deep abiding joy that, that God's word calls us to comes not because we found something good in the circumstance, but because we see a good God, no matter our circumstance. And that's what we see again and again in, in Psalm 107. Again and again, God delivers his people. He demonstrates his steadfast love. And, and in order to, to see God, no matter your circumstances, it, it takes knowing something about the character of God. I, I love uh, a quote that I came across from Kay Warren. She's written a book called Choose Joy. <clears throat> and Kay says, if I can remember this right, rightly, she, she basically says, joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of my life no matter what happens. It's a determined decision to trust God no matter my circumstance, <clears throat> as well as <clears throat> a decision to praise God in the midst of any of my circumstances. So there's this settled assurance of who God is that can lead to joy no matter our circumstance. And so here's how that plays out when I think about what that looks like in our life, right? <clears throat> we all want joy. We all want to experience joy. But here's what happens. Sometimes because life is hard, maybe you've gone through something difficult. Maybe you've gone through a number of difficult things over a long period of time. We've, we've come to a place of apathy. We've come to a place of just saying, well, whenever things change, then I'll have joy. We, we just kind of accept that it is what it is and there's no joy to be had here. And so because of where I find myself, I'm, I'm kind of a prisoner to my circumstances and I can't change it. So, you know, uh, whenever things change, then joy will come. We, we kind of take a passive approach, a passive approach thinking that here we are and there's nothing that we can do. And, and the danger in that is that if we persist in that for long, it, it can create in us a distance from God, a distance from others. I don't know if you've been there. I've, I've gone through seasons where, where I've been discouraged by what's happening around me. And, and rather than kind of actively, uh, you know, engaging it, I just, I just kind of throw my hands up. Sometimes this looks like self-pity. Sometimes this, this just looks like a, a deep discouragement where we, we don't believe that God is good in our circumstances. We, we can't see God in our circumstances. So we conclude that we just have to sit in it longer and not have any joy. So some of us are passive in, in that. And then other times we're active. And I think honestly, uh, this probably applies to more of us. We believe that if we can just change our circumstances, then we can have happiness. So, I mean, you apply this to any, any area of life. If I can just get into that school or that program, then I'll be happy. If I can just land that job, then I'll be happy. If I could just have a relationship, then everybody else would be happy and I would be happy. If, if, I, if I could just change my kids, if I could just get them to listen, 
then I would be happy. If, if my circumstances and dynamics look different, then I could be happy. And so we give ourselves to pursuing, not seeing God in our circumstances, but changing our circumstances, believing that we can have joy because we've managed our circumstances well. And that's a, that's a, a myth, a lie that, that comes to us, that tells us that we're in charge, that we can get joy by managing our circumstances. And God says, there's joy to be had when you see me, when you look for me, no matter your circumstance. So I, I, I want to ask you to kind of identify where you're at in your pursuit of joy. Are you passively struggling and just thinking there's no joy to be had? Are you actively discontent and believing that if, if this just changed, then I could have joy? You see, I, I think Psalm 107 helps us, no matter where we find ourselves, perhaps discouraged and, and different to the pursuit of joy or absolutely determined to change our circumstances so we can have joy. The one constant theme that we've been seeing throughout the Psalms is that God's people cry out to God, cry out to him. And wherever you find yourself, put words to where you find yourself and watch God meet you when you cry out to him. And when I look at the Psalm 107, just take as an example in verses four through seven, God's people were hungry and thirsty and without a way to a city to dwell in. And what did God do for them? He led them to uh, by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in with security and provision and food. When God's people were uh, distressed in darkness and the shadow of death, what did God do? In verse and in bondage in verse 15, it says that God uh, broke their bonds apart. He burst their bonds apart. He shattered the doors of bronze and cut into the bars of iron. God meets us in our need wherever we find ourselves, if we will cry out to him. So joy comes not because we find good in our circumstances, but because we look for a good God in our circumstances. And, and, then, and then I would also say that joy requires that we live with our whole heart in all of life. We, we've been looking at the emotions over these last few weeks, and we've said that God has given us our emotions as a gift, and we're to engage our emotions in such a way that honors Him, in such a way that uh, loves uh, others, and uh, in a way that, that would help us to think and feel rightly. And, and so joy really uh, is, as we've been referencing, one of the books that's been helpful to me is a book by an author named Chip Dodd called The Voice of the Heart. He actually covers joy as the last emotion in his book, because he says that joy requires uh, experiencing and engaging all our emotions uh, rightly. It, it requires us to live with our whole hearts. He says that joy is for the courageous. Joy is for those who are willing to, to be hurt, those who are willing to walk through pain, those who are willing to desire and not have that desire met, those who are willing to, to go on a journey, trusting God to lead them in a way that joy comes when we live with our whole heart in all of life in the ups and the downs. And the reason that's important, think about it this way. If you've been hurt or you've hurt someone else, but you fail to, to actually engage that and uh, seek healing, you won't have joy if you're shackled in resentment. If you've experienced loss of someone you love or some, um, uh, opportunity or dream that you've had. There can't be joy if you don't appropriately grieve the loss, right? Our, our sadness is meant to show us how much we valued something or someone. 
If we don't process that grief, how will we experience joy? If, we, if we're experiencing loneliness and loneliness is what God gives us to move us towards relationships, but we stay in isolation, we won't know the joy that God has for us in relationships. It requires us to live with our whole heart. And so here's, here's when I think about what we're doing as we look at Psalms and we talk about joy is God is challenging us not just to say, well, life is what it is. You, you ever gone through something and somebody said to you, hey, just don't let it get to you. Hey, just, you know, move on. And, and no doubt in some circumstances, we, we do need to, uh, to, to kind of, uh, you know, keep our heads up, you know, when somebody uh, does something, we, we keep to the high road, whatever, whatever the circumstances may be. There's wisdom in those things. But you can't go through life failing to live how God's designed you and expect to experience joy. If God's designed you with emotions that are tools to help you live as he intends in this world, and yet you fail to engage them, you fail to engage your heart, we won't know joy. Our joy will be muted at best or absent at worst. Joy requires us to live with our whole heart in all of life. And then ultimately, joy, joy, while it is a gift, joy is something we must fight for on a daily basis. Happiness. True happiness, authentic happiness and joy is something we must fight for on a daily basis. You see, joy is something we experience. It's an emotion, and yet it's a command. Be glad in the Lord, the psalmist says. Rejoice always, Paul says in Philippians. Joy is, is something that God commands, and therefore we must fight for. If I had to poll everyone, my my guess is that we don't always experience joy on a daily basis. My guess is that we're not always uh, enjoying the happiness that we, we wished that we had. So therefore, we must fight for it. And, and really, what you see continually throughout the Psalms is a fight for joy. Uh, going to God and taking our troubles to God and asking God, help me to desire you. Help me to delight in you. Help me to be satisfied in you. God, help me to be content in you. That's where joy is found. Joy is found in continually looking to God. Joy is, is about seeing God. And so what we do when we fight for joy is we fight to have eyes to see God. And, and there's probably no one that I think has uh, spoken on this or challenged at least me uh, on the topic of fighting for joy uh, more than, a, than an author, a pastor named John Piper. He has a book um, <clears throat> called When I Don't Delight in God, When I Don't Desire God. Um, <clears throat> and and it, it really is about how to fight for joy. And, and here's, here's what I think we need to fight for joy. In order to fight for joy, we have to put ourselves in the streams that God intends uh, that, that nourish joy in our daily life. And so here's some, some tactics that keep us in the streams of God that nourish joy in our daily life. And the first is this. The first is commit yourself to put away sin in your life. We saw it in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 tells us that sin leads to trouble. Sin leads to sorrow. Sin puts us in, in spots that we don't want to be. It, it does things in us and to us that we wish it didn't. It hurts others because of what we've done. And if you want to fight for joy, you have to fight sin. 
You, you have to fight sin and turn away from sin, cry out to God and sin. To cry out to God and sin is what the Bible calls repentance. And the Christian life is defined by repentance. So as we think about what it means to fight for joy, what I want to ask you is, are you serious about sin? If you want to be serious about joy, if you want to have deep abiding happiness, be serious about sin. Fight sin wherever it finds itself in your life. Listen, believer, repentance isn't just the beginning of the Christian life. Repentance is the way of the Christian life. We have to continually fight sin to find joy. And if you don't know Christ, you're listening to this and the joy, the happiness that you're seeking that you want. Oh, it's found in God. That joy is found in him. But the pathway to coming to him isn't to clean yourself up, isn't to fix your sin, to fix the brokenness. The pathway is to recognize it and then cry out to him. Because God's steadfast love was most fully displayed on the cross where Jesus died in our place for our sin and rose from the grave. And therefore his love for us isn't dependent on what we do for God, but his love is dependent on what he did for us. And it's a loyal love that's not dependent on how well we get our act together, but it's a loyal love based on, on his unfailing commitment to us, a commitment that was displayed in the cross. Believer, keep coming back to Jesus in order to, to have a settled assurance that God is for you, you need to look no further than the cross of Christ, that he is for you. And if you're wondering today if God is really for you, if you really can know him, he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Would you come to him? Would, would you cry out to him like the psalmist, acknowledging your sin and asking him to deliver you? And if you want to talk to somebody about that, we would love to talk to you after the service and help you decide to follow Christ and put resources in your hands that help you grow as a follower of Christ. So if we're going to fight for joy, we have to fight sin. But here's also what we have to do. If we're going to fight for joy, we have to find ourselves in God's word. If you're going to fight for joy, you have to find yourself with God in his word and in prayer. Chris mentioned this at the beginning, but, but here's what I believe. In order to be sustained in all of life's troubles, to have joy, we have to have a big view of who God is. So here's my challenge to us. I, I, to, to have a big view of God is to know his character and his promises. So here's my challenge. I want you to find some scriptures, some verses in scripture that speak of God's character, that speak of God's promises and memorize them. Because the fight for joy requires us to find ourselves with God. But when the troubles come, you may not have time to crack open your Bible. Sometimes the troubles are so heavy that you don't even have the desire to crack open your Bible. And what happens in that moment when you've memorized God's word, when you've hidden God's word in your heart? You call it to mind. The fuel to fight for joy comes from God's word and finding yourself in God's word. I would also say this, to fight for joy means to, to, to make it a priority to be with God's people. We've been committed as a church to, uh, to put ourselves in a virtual format. Over these last few months, we're, we're seeking to gather outside for worship over this next month, and we're praying for God's wisdom to, to navigate the fall. But the one thing that we can't do, even if we are physically distant from one another, 
We can't be relationally distant from one another. Just like we saw in Psalm 42, when, when life is hard, when troubles are overwhelming, when we can't find joy, God intends for God's people to fuel the pursuit of joy together. It's a pursuit of joy together. I love what Paul says in the Philippian, to the church at Philippians. He says, my desire is, is, is to continue in the work for your growth, your progress in, in joy. He wants them to grow in joy. When I think about what God is calling us to do here at TCC, my prayer in part is that God would help us to be a place, a church that helps people find true and abiding joy in God, true and abiding joy that's found in Christ. We have to put ourselves in the streams of God's provision so that we can experience joy as God intends.